You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Western and Southern Financial Group. Put our financial strength behind you. It's easy to get started. Visit westernsouthern.com. Now batting, number one in our hearts. At least he'd like to think so. It's the Jim Day Podcast. Hello out there. Welcome into the Jim Day Podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. As always. Once in a while, we like to compile a best of segment to give you a one-stop shop. And this time we're doing it with the newcomers. It was my pleasure to be able to get on this podcast. Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India, TJ Antone, and Tyler Naquin. And all have been very, very exciting to watch this year. Um, Tyler Naquin, just a tremendous pickup for the Reds. Um, it's cooled off a bit of late as, as we record this, but it's still been a solid member of the team. How cool has it been? You know, when, when the, any team, particularly if you're a Reds fan, you draft and develop players, and then those players make it to the major leagues, and then they start shining right away. I mean, Antone, Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India. Three guys drafted by the Reds, developed by the Reds, and now excelling with the Reds. Antone on the injured list as of this recording, but seemingly a bright, bright future ahead and a difference maker. He's been a difference maker. Will he be a starter in the future? Don't know. Awfully effective out of that bullpen. Jonathan India. This guy's a baller, a gamer. Fans instantly love him because he's a hustler. He's a battler. He's a grinder. And how long have the Reds been searching for a leadoff man? Someone that not only fits the mold, but wants to be a leadoff hitter. Jonathan India told me when he first started hitting leadoff and had some success, he said it's an honor. An honor! How about that? You don't hear that very often from players. He's like, ah, hit me wherever. I just want to help the team. No, he's like, it's an honor. And I accept the pressure. So fun to watch. Tyler Stevenson. I mean, there's no situation too big for this dude. We've seen it with the walk-off hits, the clutch hits, the late hits. And he's a rookie with India. They're rookies. So it's been really fun to see. And if the Reds continue to draft and develop exciting players and play an exciting brand of baseball, hey, no matter what they do, as far as success of maybe winning divisions, making it to the playoffs, they're a fun team to watch. Particularly this team because they're never say die. They've come back so many times in games, you just don't count them out. And those teams are fun to watch. Those teams are fun to root for. And it's a very good group they have 
in the clubhouse right now. So, without further ado, it is the best of the newcomers. And I hope you enjoy it here on the Jim Day Podcast. Tyler Naquin making his podcast, at least this podcast, debut. I know you guys had a good thing going with the Indians. You had some good teams, obviously. And that always leads to a good clubhouse atmosphere. And we hear so a lot about, well, the Reds have a good group and there's good chemistry and this is a special team. We hear a lot, a lot, a lot from the fans. And sometimes in the media, we overblow that a little bit. We're trying to sell the game and sell the team. But this seems real. Is this a, a very good clubhouse? Man, it it is so much fun. Um, it, it's everybody talks to everybody. There's no groups. There's no you know separation at all. I mean, it's you know I've played against uh, Suarez for oh man, ever since I was in pro ball. You know, he's in pro ball before me, and he got to the big leagues before me. Um, but playing against him whenever he was with Detroit coming up. And I've always kind of wondered, like, he was always, you know, just a nice guy and everything. I talked to him on second base. It's like now playing with him, it's just, you know, and like there's such a different minority in baseball, man. I mean, Dominican guys, Venezuelan guys, um, American guys, you know, I mean, all across the board. And it's just really cool to play with Suarez now and, and Castillo. And, you know, I look at Castillo as, man, that, that, that's the dude with a really good change. I mean, throws 100. You know, and thank God he's on my team. I don't have to face that anymore. But <laughs> yeah. that dude, those guys are so funny. And it's it's almost like I've known them forever, you know. Um, and I think that's one of the coolest parts about it, man. But, I mean, I could go all the way down the all the way down the roster and just, you know, I, I enjoy my time here. It makes it very easy to transition to a new team. And when you have guys like this, it's – and I'm an honest dude, man. Like it's, it's a lot of fun to be around them and the staff every day. It, it, it makes doing this 162 times a year that much easier. How about the riders? Are you a rider? Uh, absolutely, I'm a rider. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's fun, man. Jesse, I think I'm not 100 percent on how it just started, but but when Winker gets onto something and he says it a thousand times each day. Um, and he starts doing hand motions and stuff. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, but we'll give like signs to each other in the outfield all the time. Yeah. I'm always wondering what they are. Yeah. Fill us in. What are they? I mean, they could mean something. They could not mean something, but the people love it. So (laughs) Jesse loves giving signs out there and, um, we give them right back. You look over at Cassie and give them to him. He's like, dude, what, what are you guys doing? Then he'll give it back. (laughs) He tries to play too cool for school, but he, uh, he loves it. He does have that. Too. That's a good way to put it. Too cool for school because he's yeah. he's that even keel, just yeah, calm, man. and will even like look at you like you just said. What What are you doing, man? I mean, you got a lot of time that you could be bettering yourself at something, right? And with the sport that we play, it's like, I mean, man, it it's a hard game. It's not it's not easy, and you got to wake up. It, it it never stops. You know, you say you have an off season, but you. Mentally, there's zero off season. Right. I mean, you're always amped up. You you know, you don't have to go and work out. You don't have to go and hit. You don't have to go and throw your bullpens or you know what what the pitchers doing stuff. But it's like to us, we do because we love it. 
and you know we're, we're able to we're able to perform at the highest level you got to put yourself in the right position to do that because if you don't do anything during the off season you expect to come out here under the lights and show out ain't happening yeah it's just not happening so it's a mental and physical grind but man it's it's a lot of fun you are a notorious bad ball hitter and I had told a story on the air about broomsticks and rocks. Right. And your dad cutting off, you know, giving you a broomstick and you had a creek by your house and your friend would throw you rocks and you'd hit them all day. Right? Right. right. What the, did that, that had to help you. I mean, you're, you're hitting rocks with a broomstick, which is hard enough and you're, you're hitting them out of a strike zone. And I think your quote was, I just went down and smoked them. Yeah, it, man, that, that just came up. Uh, my dad does wood floors. And anytime like a shop broom would, you know, get tore up or if one would break. Um, I asked him one day, I said, hey, you, you mind cutting this to the length of my bat? And so he'd just go in there with a chop saw. We'd measure it out, chop it off. And I would go hit me and my buddy or me and my brother would go down into the creek and we'd bring it, and I always brought it with me just in case I found some good. Because down at the creek, you know, that, that constant flowing water would smooth those rocks out. Yeah. And, man, it'd make them perfect, like small, like almost like a little bottle cap size and even smaller. And to be honest with you, it gets me into trouble sometimes because it's like, oh, just because I can hit it doesn't mean that I should, you know, especially at this level. It's like, man, I can do a lot of damage in the strike zone, but it's like, ooh, that looks kind of good. And, you know, you end up rolling it over and it's not that it's controlling the strike zone, you know, it, it, it's good and it's bad, you know, to a certain degree. And you got to try and level that out. But um, I also hit those little spiky sweet gums that would fall off the trees. And my dad would, yeah, my dad would flip those to me um, as well. So that's just, I hit a lot of those barefoot, man, barefooted at the creek or in the driveway, just hammering those things and it it definitely does help you you know you you hear about some um latin guys that have, have done that quite a bit and, yeah you know other guys in the states as well but uh it doesn't happen a whole whole lot did i read somewhere that you played t-ball on a cow pasture do i yes. have that right yeah we did um that's where it started for you of- yeah, I was on the team called the Awesome Ducks at Spring Baptist Church in Spring, Texas. Um, they had a uh, pastor out out beside the church. Um, you know, we attended church occasionally for holidays and whatnot because you know we were always either you know going you know to hunt or to fish and you know family stuff like that. And man, we my mom had asked um if i wanted to play t-ball i said well yeah sure i think i was four and they had a pasture outside um by the um, parking lot at spring baptist church and they had you know mowed it and made it real nice and stuff obviously it's next to the church they're keeping it clean and um we had orange those little orange throw bases those little real skinny rubber bases right and man that that's where it started we they they formed a league, asked if I wanted to play, and and uh, that's that's where it started. From a cow pasture all the way to the major leagues. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, thank, <laughs> thankfully we didn't have to play where the cows actually actually were. They they they, they groomed it for us. <laughs> that was my next question. Thank you for asking the 
are answering since I didn't have to ask that. Did your dad, your dad's name's Ken, right? Yes, sir. Did he build a diamond for you on your family's property? He did. Yeah. We um So your youth team was able to play on that? Yeah, we had practice out there. My dad, you know, he he saw how much me and my brother liked playing baseball and we had a corner lot in the street uh where the street came to a T and probably about an acre and a half and he went and put up a, a small like a like a small backstop um built a bench built a bat rack and got some dirt grooved the paths out and it's not it wasn't no field of dreams by any means but um we kept that thing mowed and he built baselines and and you know he did he did what he could my dad is a handy dude i mean he can build or fix just about dang near anything. And, uh, it was, it was, it was special. Just my whole T-ball team would come over or, um, coach pitch team would come over and my dad and my brother, we would load up the wheelbarrow that we do the leaves with and on the weekend in, put all the baseball gear in there. We just walk down the street, start playing some baseball. Wow. Well, it might not look like a field of dreams, but that's a field of dreams for a kid to have a, a diamond, on your property, and oh, you you're bet. a wheelbarrow away from playing ball. You're absolutely right. Yeah, you. Our infielders got pretty good pretty quick because there were some there were some bad hops to be had for sure. Yeah, it's beautiful that I, I love to show the human side of you guys because, yeah. like you said earlier, you're like, hey, we're normal people. I eat eggs. Yeah, but a lot you know, of people had... when they see you on TV and see you playing, they they think that it's you're different in some ways, but yeah. you're just, maybe the, you know, the, the income is on a different level, but you guys are still humans and you still deal with the same things, the human side of everything, the emotions, the sadness. I, and I mean, do you yeah. feel that sometimes you, people don't realize, Hey, there's a human being in here. Absolutely, man. I think, you know, we, us as players, like we've talked about it multiple times, like, you know, every human, every person is sensitive to a certain extent, not in a bad way or, or by any means, but it's like, man, people have feelings. And it's crazy that in 20, like in 2021, I guess it was because there was no fans out there last year, but man, these fans these days, I, I guess they just think that they can say and do whatever they want. No, Whatever they worse. want, be, because they know there's a wall and there's a net. Yeah. Now you meet me in a you meet me in a field and it's just man to man. You you ain't saying that. Bottom no. line, and and it it goes to show how social media and these nets and walls, you know, it makes they think they say and do whatever they want, and it makes them so comfortable, and and you don't get punched in the mouth for it. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like oh, I know what you're saying. Uh, obviously, we're not out there looking to fight people, but. I mean, man, I see these guys, you know, you know I, I come home, call my dad, call my mom, call my brother every single day. I talk to them, all of them, every single day. And some of these guys have, you know, three kids and a wife, and people don't see that. You know, they, they don't understand that we're going back to the apartment or back to the house just like them. So it's just, it's uneasy hearing and seeing some of those things. But, I mean, it also comes with the territory of the game, man. But it does seem like this year it's like – really amped up 
really amped up in, in, in that aspect. But as far as just being people, man, I mean, I mean, you've been around the game and, and us for, you know, many a year. So it's, it's no surprise to you, but, but I, I will touch on that just as far as, I mean, me and Hendricks are cooking eggs on a normal skillet, just like anybody else would. So I don't, I don't know how that would make us any, any different, you know? Right. We've got a young man that uh, a few years back had to endure bus rides with me on the Reds caravan for two years straight. That's being locked in a, a very confined space with moi. So he, uh, he earned his stripes, I guess, and we appreciate that. He is a former first-round pick and now a catcher on the big club, the Cincinnati Reds. He is Tyler Stevenson. How you doing, Tyler? Wonderful. Good to see you, as always. <laughs> How you doing as far as uh, fitting in? It's not as bad as it used to be back in the day with uh, rookies or younger players, but mm-hmm. uh, this seems to be a good group to fit into. Are you feeling comfortable? Because you're... I mean, barring anything unforeseen, you're you're on the squad. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so I know my first big league camp was two years ago, and that was the first year with um, this coaching staff and stuff. And at that time being, I don't know, 21 years old, 22, um, first big league camp, like it's just funny just how it all kind of rolls out and stuff. Like your first year in camp, like you're that young kid. You don't want to like – step on anybody's toes and stuff you're just kind of sitting back and watching and stuff and then last year you kind of get a little more playing time and then this year especially with all the moves we made last season and just kind of growing in that role and stuff and how much tucker's helped how much jr has helped and stuff and just being around everybody i mean it's i'm comfortable i don't want to say i'm comfortable because i don't like the phrase being comfortable and being content because you always want to obviously achieve more and stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's been great. It's been fun. I it's remember the first, time. first time I saw you, I'm like, that can't be Tyler Stevenson because that is a big dude. These, and I, you laugh cause I'm sure you get this all the time. I mean, that, that dude looks like a first baseman mm-hmm. or a left fielder or something. Uh, are people surprised when you, when you say, Hey, I'm Tyler Stevenson. I'm a, I'm a professional baseball player. What, what position you play? Catcher. What? Catcher. Yeah. Everybody. It's always <laughs> like, oh, pitcher. Like, yeah. Everybody thinks that. Yeah. I mean, it, obviously, it's part of it. So it's funny. Like, I moved to um, Columbia, South Carolina this offseason. And that's where my fiance is at. And I worked out at a place with Grayson Griner, who's with the catcher with the Tigers. And he's, we're probably the two tallest catchers in baseball. <laughs> we're working out together. He's probably six five, six six, and I'm six four. Yeah. So it's funny. It's got the, the two biggest catchers probably in baseball working out with, with each other and stuff. Um, but yeah, I've been, I mean, I've always been massive. I've always been taller than everybody else, even when I was younger, um, even when I was catching and stuff. So part of it. But have you found it I to be a, a disadvantage at all? I mean, it's the only thing you know. Obviously, you've never experienced mm-hmm. being a little dude, uh, but. Have you found the, that you have to do things differently or than a, a normal catcher? Yeah, I think there's always pros and cons and stuff. Like, like I would just use Tucker, for instance. Like, obviously, he's a lot smaller than me, and he controls the bottom of the zone with receiving really well. But with me being as tall as I am, like, I handle the top of the zone really well. So there's obviously a balance of, like, okay, I can catch the ball at the top just because how big I am. Um, catching the ball at the top of the zone is easier. Um, and then that's 
been the work in progress of working on the bottom pitch just because with how big I am, it's mm -hmm. harder for me to um, get down lower and stuff. But I did Pilates this off season and I've seen huge strides in my like flexibility and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's a work in progress, but we're getting there. When you were drafted, what was it? 2015? Is that when you mm -hmm. got drafted? Yeah. 11th overall, I think. Uh, whenever they draft a high school catcher, <laughs> People are like, uh, oh, this is cool. We're going to have a major league catcher. I'm like, oh, but put a timeout on that as high school. We're not going to see this guy for a while. It takes high school catchers a little bit longer uh, and sometimes a lot of bit longer to get to the big leagues. Mm -hmm. um, can you think back to coming out of high school, how green you were? Because I talked to Corky Miller, who was one of your mentors. Uh, he's like, mm -hmm. we've had to start from scratch. Was it kind of like that? A hundred percent. I mean, I can't, I honestly can't thank Corky enough really for everything he's done and continues to do. And it's cool that I'm, I'm 37. Yeah. I was going to ask you is, about which that, is, which is, which is his number and stuff, which I want to, I want to stay with. Um, I think the only number I'd go to is nine, but, um, I think Mustakis has that for a few more years. Yeah. I think he's got that one locked down. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, like I just remember getting drafted and stuff, like thinking like, oh man, I, I know a lot about catching. And then when I get drafted, just him breaking it down from step one, and it's like, man, I know nothing. Yeah. Just I, like I thought I was on top of the world, getting drafted, catching on stuff. Like, oh man, like, but really breaking it down to the fundamentals of flexibility and your squat and your stance to throwing to blocking to receiving. To game calling game preparation you're just like man um so yeah i mean he's he's been a huge help and i can't thank him enough for just the strides that i've made you started catching when you were uh six or seven is that right so you've been a catcher you know a lot of guys well and i was a shortstop i was you know most of you guys are the best player on your team growing up but I thought I had read somewhere or heard somewhere that you said you thought that the equipment was cool then. Is that yeah. right? Yep. So I think my first ever position I played was second base, but that's when I was probably like T-ball. Um, but I think once we kind of got into kid pitch, which is I think seven or eight years old, um, yeah, I, I started catching because I thought the gear was cool. That's what my, that's what my mom said. All of these stories obviously come from them. Um <laughs> And yeah, I thought the gear was cool. Nobody else wanted to do it. And I strapped it on and got out there. And I mean, growing up, like I played, I caught and I played some first and I pitched and that's pretty much kind of what I did until as I got older and started pitching more frequently and stuff. And that kind of just became my position. You know, I follow <laughs> you on social media and I love the posts on Mother's Day and Father's Day. And one on Father's Day where I think the quote was something like, even at an early age, I knew it was meant to be the Reds. Because as a kid, you were on the Reds. You're wearing a Reds uniform with your dad Reds. and your mom, right? Uh, yeah, I, it might have been my um, first ever team or something like that. So I think my actual, I mean, I need to get this like authenticated or something. It could be worth some money one day. But my first ever um, baseball card, I was... I don't know, six or seven years old was me in a Reds uniform. I need to try to find that to find that and I can send it to you. Please um, do. When it, when we're done. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I've got like a baseball card. So my mom at our house has a big thing up on the wall and has like, she tries to 
collect all my baseball cards that's come out. Um, so she has all of my ones since I've been drafted. And then um, I think like the very first one is that one when I was six or seven years old of me in a Reds uniform um, up there. That's great. Which, which is pretty, which is pretty cool. <laughs> so even so, even crazy like when I got when I got drafted. Um, just crazy draft process. Um, so I was picked at eleven by the Reds, but I was almost ninety nine point nine percent sure I was going to get drafted by the Phillies, which was the tenth pick, because um, I went up to Philadelphia um, the weekend before the draft. And um, so when I was up there in Philly, like I got some Philly things because I thought I was going to get drafted by him, like from what my agent said and stuff, like there's a good chance I was going to get drafted. And then draft day rolls around and the Phillies take um, Cornelius Randolph, which is somebody from Atlanta that I know really well. And then my agent calls me right after the um, Phillies pick, say, hey, the Reds are taking you. I'm like, well, sweet. This is awesome. And I was like, man, like, I don't have anything Reds. Like, <laughs> I mean, just because I didn't know. Yeah. But but then I remembered, um, I don't know, I was 14, 15 years old. Um, and I played at East Cobb travel ball down in Atlanta. And um, I played with Mike Cameron's son, Daz. And did he play with, he, did he play Mike with the Cameron? Reds? Oh, yeah. Mike Cameron did. Yeah, um, sure did in the 90s. So. Um, so I played with um, his son and we were up in Cincinnati for a tournament. Like we played them at Xavier. Um, we played at Cincinnati. I think we played some other places, um, but we went to a Reds game when we were there. And I remember in the back of my closet, I had a camouflaged Reds hat that I bought when I was 15, six, whatever I was 14, 15, 16 years old. And it was in the back of my closet. So after I got, drafted i remember it i was like man i have that hat in my closet so i went upstairs and if you, i'm sure you can go you can go back and look yeah photos of me getting drafted and i had a camouflage red set on what do you think you what, what's the biggest learning curve i mean obviously when when they talk about you they say well he can hit it's whether or not he can manage games and call games is mm -hmm. it still a major learning curve is calling games the biggest learning curve yeah and i think just the preparation um that comes with it, especially at this level. Um, Cause at the minor leagues, we didn't really have as much information. I don't want to say there wasn't as much at stake. Cause obviously we want to win every game, but especially winning is everything at our level. So especially that preparation daily of like, we're going into the game with our starting pitching and we're going to do everything we can to win this game and stuff. Like, <clears throat> I mean, it's been great. Just even this, <clears throat> even this spring being with DJ and Tucker um, having a bunch of conversations and stuff. And after innings, like games now, like after innings where they score a couple runs, but try to come in, talk with DJ, kind of talk it through and um, just anything that he would do differently. And just obviously um, take the most uh, out of this time and stuff. So um, it's been great so far though. So Tucker's been a pretty good influence. You know, a lot of guys, sometimes, uh, you know, you're, you're the, so-called heir apparent he's the veteran um you know some guys might shut you down or not help you out is, is that a good relationship unbelievable i can't honestly thank him enough um because i remember when i got called up i think the second time last year um he comes up to me it was like anything you need i've been in your shoes talk to me please um and really from that moment on um 
it's been great conversations after conversations just talking with him about anything about the game and stuff even like with the early work even doing our individual individual defense asking him questions and stuff um i mean he's been awesome I can't thank him enough, honestly. That's so. great. He's a big league player very, and a yeah, big league fortunate. person. Big league yeah. person for sure. No, definition of a professional. Yeah. Without a doubt. I hope you're enjoying the best of the newcomers here on the Gym Day podcast. And we'll get back to it right after this message from Western and Southern Financial Group. Life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western and Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Products issued by member companies of Western Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, what a rookie impression he made and what a start to his major league career. Please welcome in Jonathan India. Jonathan, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good, Jim. Glad to be here. And I'm glad to get on this podcast. I heard a lot about it and I've listened to you a couple of times, so I'm pretty excited. Really? Wow. Well, oh, yeah. there you go. Hard to imagine getting off to a better start than you did in your major league career. I mean, it's just, it's not an easy game and it's certainly no. not easy to be a rookie and make a debut on opening day which is so special in Cincinnati could you have ever imagined that it would go this well I mean it's hard to say it's hard to say I haven't imagined you know they're going this well but you know I'm a, I'm a confident man and you know in the game I play and you know I imagined me doing well I didn't think it was gonna go like like how I'm doing um hope I, I wish I had a, could have, had a couple homers in the home stand for the fans but uh those are coming um, but no, I'm just, you know, like I said, I'm always blessed to be in this position and I'm just grateful for that. Don't worry about the homers. They will come. Certainly when you play 81 games at great American ballpark, as long as you of keep course. squaring it up, they are going to come and no you've doubt. got some other guys in that lineup. They're not going to rely on you to hit home runs. So that's that, like, yeah, that's like, that's what I'm saying. I'll just get on for them for now, you know, and then let them, yeah. let them hit the homers. <laughs> oh yeah. Don't, don't worry about the homers, man. Just keep, but, keep on doing what you're doing. Uh, exactly. Let me take you back uh, a few years. You got off to a slow start in your pro career, and I know uh-huh. you had some injuries that you dealt with. You had a tough fall league, I want to say. Were there ever times you were like, oh, man, I hope this happens for me? Were there ever any doubts? Um, no. See, I, I ne- I've never doubted myself in anything. I've never felt negative of stuff like that just because, you know, learning at a young age that those games is very hard, you know, and the feel the fear of failure is you know, it's going to ruin you as a player so i was you know my dad always told me to always have positive thoughts and the good things will happen in the future for you so just work hard put your head down and don't worry about anything else so you know i've always just worked hard and not worried about you know the failure part of the game take me back to when they told you that you made the team and I'm sure at that point you knew, listen, they're not going to put me on the team to put me on the bench. You knew you were going to be the starting second baseman for the Cincinnati Reds as a rookie. And that call to your family, what was it like? Yeah, that, it, was, it was something special for me, especially, you know, walking into uh, to David's office in spring training. It was, it was emotional, you know. It was, I, I, you know I'm not a really a crier, but I, I cried <laughs> in the office with David and it was a good feeling for him just saying, you know, you made our team and, you know, you're going to be our starting second baseman. 
Um, and it was just, it was just like words that I've always dreamed of, you know, coming from a coach. And so then I called my parents right before the spring training game and it was, it was amazing. You know, they were emotional. Um, but it was just, you know, it was, it's stuff that every kid dreams of, like, uh, like I said. So it was a beautiful thing for us and, you know, I'm going to make the most of it. The things you learned as a man or, or mentally as a person, what, what are you referring to? So like just the, the, the atmosphere at Prasker, you know, there was a group of guys that, you know, it was tough for us to be in that position. We wanted, you know, we were the guys that were in between, you know, are we getting called up here or are we getting called up here? So no one knew what their role was. So, you know, as a baseball player, that's tough mentally. You know, we, we go through struggles like that, like, what 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 do the, the organization think of us? Why you know are we? Is this a good spot to be in for us, or is it just something that they're just putting us here just to get work? I and mean, we don't know. So mentally, a lot of us you know we're going through the roller coaster at you know Prasco, you know playing against each other every day. You know it gets boring, but it it's it's tough. You know you got you got to make the most of it. So for me, I learned not to let anything you know negative affect me mentally. You know. You know, not to just treat it as another day at Prasco. What am I doing here? You know, I'm, I'm going to make the most of it and work on my game, you know, prepare myself for next year. Because, you know, that was my, that was my, my, my mental state at that point, just going through the daily grind and, you know, really, really take, making the most out of it. What, what did you find that was the toughest, the transition to pro ball? What were the things, because uh, again, I, I know you were dealing with some nagging injuries which can right. always affect someone, um, particularly right. an offensive player. I think you had a wrist or something was going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what were the toughest things that you you had to really adjust to and get better at? Um, to be honest, I think it was the lifestyle of, you know, going from a great program in college, you know, to winning a national championship there and then going to rookie ball in Greenville, Tennessee. Yeah. And then, you know, staying in a, in a – in a motel and it was just it was uh it was a tough experience for me you know going from, from something that was you know very we're very high at the top to like rookie ball which was not the nicest settings for for us but right. um, you know it was a minor league grind like everyone talks about it's uh you know peanut butter and jellies after games you know not much food <laughs> trying to survive you know <laughs> um it's, it's the bus trips and everything so that was probably the hardest thing for me, but you know, the game, the, the, other than that, baseball was the same for me. That the, the game itself was just playing, like, you know, playing the same game. Yeah. What was opening day like? Uh, you talking in the big leagues? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, that, it was freezing. To be honest, it was, free, it was the coldest. <laughs> That's one thing I, I, was, I, played in. I almost asked you that first. I almost said, wow, you're, you're a South Florida guy and you went yeah, to no. college in Florida. You had to be freezing your butt off. <laughs> I think I think people could definitely tell I was, I was freezing out there, so <laughs> it was it was a cold one. Well, that's an adjustment um, you have to make as well to play in the North. I mean, you're a you know you're a Florida guy. It's I live right? down there, so I my my blood got thin very quickly, and I came back, right? and it was culture shock. Even though I grew up here, yeah, it was. But uh, it was a great feeling though to be out there and then, you know enjoy the atmosphere, really take it all in. Um, yeah, I didn't really have nerves. To be honest with you, I wasn't nervous, and I was waiting for them. To, I was waiting for them to come. You know, like waiting for all the nerves to kick in, and really, you know, 
feel it, but nothing came. And I was just felt like another game for me out there with the guys. Well, you know what? We we talked about that on the air. Yeah. That I've I've covered so many, you know, debuts and so many players. And the ones that don't have the nerves seem to be the ones that last or the ones that are really elite players. So I when I heard you say that, I'm like, uh oh. This kid has a presence <laughs> about him. So uh that's oh, yeah. good, man. That you the nerves never kicked in. They never yeah, they never came. So that was that was a good feeling for me to be comfortable out there and you know, let my ability take over. Now at least early on, could you notice I mean there's limited fans in the stands, but at least fans because 2020 was very strange. Uh, Brasco right, was right, weird right. for you, but it was really weird for the guys that were playing in the league with no fans. Um, yeah. But did you notice that you were instantly a fan favorite? There were a little extra cheers for you. <laughs> I did. I did hear some cheers, you know. Um, it was pretty cool to hear the fans of Cincy. You know, they're great fans, first of all. So, you know, it's a great baseball city. And, uh, you know, I mean, the fans of Cincy have treated me well so far, so I'm very happy with uh, – the way it's going. Oh, but yeah. now you're going to have to keep the long hair. I mean, I... Oh, trust me. That's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere? The no, flow is not, not going, going anywhere. anywhere? It's not going anywhere. That's that's my hair. I've, I've done it my whole life. I've had long hair. You know, I, I let it, I'll cut it for a year and grow it out for the next years. Yeah, because cut when you first year, signed, you were had short hair, right? Shorter? Yeah, yeah. It was because of Florida, uh, University of Florida. We had to have to... We had short hair. We had a clean cut, you know, yeah. no facial hair. Wow. Well, you know, back yeah. in the day, the Reds didn't have any facial hair. I mean, yeah, that was a, yeah. You couldn't have any. So that would have been tough for you. All right. So that, that answers one of the questions. The, the, the flow is going to stay. Now, have you stay. ever thought about that you might need a chin strap on your helmet? Because... Oh, my God. That, I've been saying that since the first day of spring training. My helmet Are you serious? Off. Oh, I mean, the, the amount of times my helmet fell off in spring training is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, they, they they they've already tried to fix my helmet four or five times. They put padding inside. Really? They've done the whole yeah the whole thing. I'm like guys, this doesn't work. You know, it's just gonna fall off. Well, this is a conversation I've been looking forward to because as I've told him, you know how you watch thousands of at bats or thousands of pitchers, and you can kind of just tell who's got it from the get go. Well, it goes that way as far as interviews go and interesting people. And I knew this dude was interesting right off the bat and he is not letting us down he's more interesting on the mound which is really saying something but he is reds pitcher tj antone tj welcome to the podcast how you doing hey jim i didn't know you were saying i was interesting in interviews too that's what's fun <laughs> no i could tell right away because one it was in the dugout in goodyear arizona and you just came up and started shooting the breeze and like, and we were talking like we'd, you know, known each other for years. So that was kind of yeah. tipped my hat a little bit. People that have uh, listened to me uh, know that I'm enamored with the, the big league beard you got going on. I, I mention it often. Yeah. It's all pro already, um, like first team all pro of any sport. And uh, I'm envious because during the shutdown, I it took me a while to uh, grow facial hair and it did not look good. Yeah. I mean, yours is just immaculate. If there's such a thing as an immaculate beard, you've got it. Well, I appreciate that. I, uh, funny story behind that. I, in 2017, I was looking, you know, I was looking for a new look. And, uh, so I grew my hair out and I had like long hair. I had like a little, like a little tiny little bun, like slash ponytail. 
Well, in 2017, spring training, I tore my UCL. And, you know, baseball players, like, we correlate weird things. So, like, I grew my hair out. I tore my UCL. Well, the hair got axed really fast. So I had to look for something else. Well, after I, you know, rehabbed, uh, I was I usually was cleaner cut. I was, like, kept it pretty short, like more of a 5 o'clock shadow. I was like, I'm going to grow my beard out. Uh, you know, my, I knew my dad had, like, a good beard. So I'm going to grow my beard out. And uh, started doing well, started throwing better, and, and kept the correlation, you know, kept – had to, had, to, had to let the beard keep going, see if I keep going better. Wow, the <laughs> so secret's kinda, out. Kinda, yeah, the secret is there now. Is not the new mechanics or recovering from Tommy John surgery or analytics. It's the beard. I mean, who would have known? That's it's as old beard. school as yeah, it gets. It's the beard. <laughs> However, did come at a price, right? Wife wasn't too keen on the beard. Well, she, yeah, she, she doesn't like it super long. <laughs> she tells me clean it up all the time. And I'm like, well, you know, they're in season, honey. It's, it's my beard. I have to, <laughs> uh, I got to grow it out. So in the off season, I'll, I'll, I'll tighten it up for her so I can look cute for pictures and Christmas and all that. <laughs> I also love the story of, uh, your name, TJ, but it's spelled T E J A Y, not just the letters T and J. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Parents wanted you to be Tony Jr., but they wanted it to be different, right? Yeah, they, they wanted me to be Tony Jr., um, but they wanted to call me TJ. Um, but I guess they like didn't necessarily like the initials T, you know, T dot J dot. Right. So they just were like, oh, let's just like name him TJ. I, I think that was more of my uh, mother's finding. Uh, ah. I think she came up with that, and then it was my dad like agreed with it. <laughs> oh yeah, dad has to agree with mom. I mean, you know, <laughs> true. Happy yeah, wife, yeah. happy life. I I know that. Uh, he was yeah, quoted as saying, "I think uh, it'll be a big league name." Yes, my dad did say that. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> that is, uh, my dad did say that when I was a child. <laughs> well, man, prognosticator. It is a big yeah. league name. He, hey, he nailed it. He nailed it. <laughs> the how far you have come um, is really amazing. Now, you, what do you have? Tommy John surgery in two thousand eighteen, right? Seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. Seventeen. Yeah. My bad. Um, so when you had Tommy John surgery and you were your fastball was like eighty nine to ninety three, you know, and you saw the how much velocity is important in this game now. Were there times you're like, man, I, this might not happen for me? Uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, doubt is, is probably present in every, um, minor leaguers mind at some point. Um, but you know, I, I just was like, you know, I'm just going to have better off speed stuff. I'll be known as a guy who like hits the spots and, um, and just has a really good, you know, slider, really good curveball. And so I, I honestly think that like throwing softer early on, like helped me a ton because it helped me develop like. The, my two like best pitches now like my slider my curve and then as i kept developing my fastball it was a little bit late bloomer but as i kept developing uh the fastball it just it like really expanded my whole arsenal um together and now everything's just working you know they have to respect the fastball instead of like oh if he throws me a fastball i'm gonna hammer it and if i if he throws me the other stuff like you know i'll like, I'm just not going to look for it because I'm not going to swing for it. That's kind of how it was early on. That's why I feel like I could command my slider really well because in the minor leagues, people didn't swing at it because they knew they couldn't hit it. So I just 
I had to throw it for strikes for them to respect it. Originally, it was so like sweepy and and so it moved so much that as soon as the guy notices that he's not going to be able to hit it, that he the hitters get smart and they just don't swing at it. So you have to show them that you can throw it for a strike and and uh, a lot, you know, having that pitch and then with the fastball now, it, I feel like I'm in a really good spot. That is so interesting that you refined your secondary pitches first, and then you got the velocity. That's if you could map it out, yeah. that would be the way to do it. Yeah, but, I think if you could map it out, that would be the way to do it. But um, nowadays, like you, you don't even get signed if you yeah. don't throw hard. <laughs> like you, you have to throw hard first, and they try to, yeah, to um, you know, develop the off-speed pitches. Yeah, that's why it's amazing to me. Uh, you know, again, the fastball was. You were in the range of 89 to 93. Now you're in the upper 90s with a lot of spin and a lot of deception. How did you do it? I, you've told me this story of how, of the you know how you got the velocity to increase, but can you let the fans know how it happened? Because it doesn't happen like that very often, naturally at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've definitely you say naturally. I've definitely gotten uh, my finger pointed at a finger pointed at me a couple of times saying like, Oh, well, you know, he did steroids. Like, yeah, no, no, that's a natural. I get, I get, I get, I get tested every, everyone, the same as everyone else. Yeah. I've never done anything unnaturally. So, right. Um, that's why I take, bring up to, naturally to say, because it doesn't happen. Yeah, usually. To say that about me, to say that about me is like, it's definitely a character shot. And I really don't appreciate that. Cause I know about all the work that I've put into like, yeah, figure this out. And, and and I think it's a, and it's accumulation of a lot of things. Um, you know, I had I had Tommy John surgery going into spring training at 17, and after an off season of feeling really good, um, I, I I come into spring training and I start hurting, and up until this point, like I I had never gotten injured before, and I, you know, being young, I assumed <laughs> assumed I was invincible. Let's say. You know, I'd never gotten injured. I had good off seasons. I, I had good seasons coming up to that point. I had just came off a season of like team wins, like having like a, a 3 0 and, and, you know, high A, like expecting a double A starting spot. And and now all of a sudden I'm injured and like my career's like, I mean, could be ending. I don't know what's happening with my life. That's kind of where I was at. I literally was hitting rock bottom. Wow. You know, all these people, all my, all my fans, all my friends and family. Uh, oh, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. And then all of a sudden I have a torn UCL. So I had to go back to the drawing board and really figure out why did I tear my UCL and and what, and so I'm like watching video and and studying the game and and studying high level elite pitchers and, and figuring out the positions that they're hitting as they're coming down the mound. And, and, uh, and so I'm figuring out like, okay, like that makes sense. Like I'll try and start hitting those positions that with, um, with just, you know, better strength through a rehab program, like definitely helped. And then uh, as we go forward, like I, I went to a new trainer in the offseason, started training at APEC, which is where uh, Patrick Mahomes trains. And he's obviously a pretty good athlete. There's a lot of good uh, athletes that train at APEC as well. Just and, a slightly uh, like good a really, athlete. Just slight good athlete. Too. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so really good, you know, really good team there um, that that pointed me in the right direction and, and addressed my my flaws uh i was was always a really strong person i was like pretty strong um but i never moved like lightweight fast i never was very quick um so we started like addressing some of the you know they always say fast twitch muscles and i think that's um it's so like you know weird to say because i don't know if i necessarily believe in it but 
um, I mean, you know, it, it's, they addressed it and we, we started moving faster and it was really frustrating because we have like these time devices that essentially measure, um, your force output, like on Kaiser machines. Um, and you know, there were guys that were like smaller than me getting like way higher numbers. And it was really frustrating to see, like, why couldn't I move fast? And so that, and, um, you know, I started, you know, I, I focused on that and then I, um, uh, I ended up opening my own baseball facility this off season. And because I felt like I was in a good spot to teach others, I think, I think not only others, I, I really enjoyed teaching like younger athletes, like the high school age and, and just connecting with them and, you know, them having the respect uh, for me to actually, they're actually listening to me and, and not just like on the field stuff. I really like to, uh, to like connect with them off the field stuff and, and like, you know, walk through life with them and, and I think it's an accumulation of all these things. It's, it's, I can't point to like one particular, like, Oh, I did this thing right here. And that's why I'm throwing so hard. There's a, there's a whole, it's a whole system behind um, what I'm doing and what I'm like, what I'm learning and the way I'm growing. And um, I think growth is a very slow cook process. Uh, people, this, this, everyone in society wants like, velocity now you know uh the microwave society everyone everyone wants it instantaneously and they they don't get it in in two months and then they get frustrated and and, you know let go of the process and uh i think that's something i've I've done really well is is just sticking to the process sticking to the analytics like seeing what pitches like are elite in the league trying to chase those pitches and um and yeah just like letting my body kind of grow and and let letting uh you know god kind of just dictate my path you can always tell the guys that think they belong and belong right away. Some guys will ease into it. Some guys will just by, you know, getting service time in the major leagues. It'll just happen over time. But you seemed like you belonged right away. Is that something that is just in you as a person? Or did you have to kind of talk yourself into that? Because I'm serious. It looked like you had pitched in the major league for years when you stepped on that mound first time. Yeah. Yeah. David uh, Bell kept, you know, referring to that and saying to that, saying that, uh, like, you know, through spring training and, and I really appreciate like him saying that about me, but I think it's, uh, for, for me, I think, um, it's kind of twofold. You got to fake it till you make it. And, uh, and I, and I did like, I do kind of go through life like that. Like maybe I don't, I, I like learn through failure and, and just, and go, you know, I jumped with two feet in and, you know, I wanted to be fully committed, not like timid on the mound the mound is my spot. Like I, I don't, I'm not up there trying to be anyone else's friend or anything while I'm pitching, you know, it's me versus you and like, it's go time. So I don't, I don't, I don't really care if you're a rookie ball kid or high school. I, I mean, in particular, this, I think this story will kind of explain who I am. Like I, I was throwing a live BP um, in quarantine uh, when we quarantined before the season last year. And there was a college kid working out there and he's like, ah, oh, you know, I, I think I can get a hit off you. He was like, you know, kind of talking some mess. And I mean, I, I, I was throwing against him and earlier in the day, I was like 94, 95. Um, and then he got in the box cause he was talking mess. I like got up to, I ran it up to 99 and I struck him out and he was like, man, why do you got to do me like that? I'm like, bro, you were talking, you know, you were talking crap to me. Like this was my, this is my domain. Like you're not going to, I don't care what grade or level you're at. Like, this is me. This is like who I am. So, um, I, yeah, like I said, I think it's twofold. Um, but yeah, that's definitely like the person I am. I love that story. Now that you, I mean, you've come 
so long in a short period of time. You came from a guy that they you were forced to be added to the 40-man roster. They didn't want to lose you. So all of a sudden you're on the team. Now they're fighting over, okay, is he going to long-term, uh, not necessarily right now, but long-term, is he going to be a starter? Is he going to be a reliever? They're literally fighting over you. No, I want him to be a reliever. No, I want him to be a starter, which is a good thing. <laughs> and you're entrenched on the team. But now comes the pressure of some say it's harder to stay than arrive in big league baseball. So now the pressure, and you've put up success, so they're going to expect things. Are you ready for that pressure? Yeah, I think uh, I think I've shown so far, even in just spring training so far, that I've come this year better than I was last year, and uh, I'm I'm definitely here to stay. I'm not I'm here to actually take someone's job, um, not just like on the Reds or anywhere else, but. I mean, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be an all-star. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to win the Cy Young. Like I'm not here to just stay. I'm not, my goal is not just to stay in the big leagues. My hair is my, my goal is to be the best in the big leagues. You said that you always had that in your mind that you were going to open an academy, whether you were successful or not, right? In uh, major league baseball. Um, tell me a little bit about this sports academy. Yeah. So like, um, I've always wanted to do it. Um, I, I've, I've done less. I just, it, it all started with my very first off season as, as a professional, I got drafted by the Reds in 14. So like fall of 14, um, just needed to make some money in the off season. Um, a guy, a friend of mine that I played with, or he's one of my coaches when I played with when I was in high school, he was like, Hey, just come do um, lessons at my facility. Like I won't charge you like, Oh, cool. Cause you know, usually people take a cut or whatever, um, you know, 10, $20 a lesson, which is no problem. But he was like, Oh, I won't charge you. I just want you to come hang out and like do some lessons. So, started there and then it kind of went down the quest of like well am I really giving these kids like the best these kids that I'm training the best like information um so I I personally started studying more just so I could give like a better lesson um I I don't believe in like um like you know half half effort uh anything (laughs) so I really wanted to you know give the best lesson that I could um so I started studying and you know, each off season, it, it, I became a little bit better, a little bit more aware of what I was teaching. Um, I did, I went up to driveline myself, um, for myself, uh, just like in, I think it was in the, the fall of 18, I believe. Um, you know, went up there and I saw all the athletes, uh, the way they trained and like, I love the atmosphere. It was a lot of fun. And I was like, I want to do this. I want to own a place like this. Like, this is really cool. Like, you know, pro guys, minor league guys, major league guys, high school guys, um, you know, all in here just trying to get better. And like, um, and just in a great atmosphere, like learn from one another and, um, you know, just developing friendships that'll last a lifetime. Um, and so I, I was, I am friends with uh, another guy who does lessons, David Lucroy, which is, uh, Jonathan Lucroy's brother. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, he did lessons at the same place I did. And I was talking to him about it, like, Hey, let's, you know, open a spot. And then, uh, so ended up being me, him and, and another X minor reds, X minor leaguer, Jeremy Kivel, uh, which he actually knows quite a bit about pitching. I, I, I reach out to him all the time. Um, he's been up to 101 off the mound. He just, he blew out twice. That's why he didn't make it in the reds. Oh, um, yeah, but, uh, so me, him and David decided to go three ways and open a facility and, um, you know, I, I wanted it to be, you know, cool and kind of, kind of sexy and, um, uh, like a, a place that kids really wanted to come train at. So, uh, we had like during quarantine, we had like 20 athletes 
and then we were planning for like a little bit bigger fall around 60 athletes. Uh, we ended up having, uh, 80 athletes at the beginning of fall and we ended up with a hundred pitchers at the end of fall. Wow. Um, so our, we, we grew really, really fast. And, um, luckily we had some really good interns to help us out and, yeah, it's just been a great it's been a great experience so far. We're we're planning to have a really big. Now we're starting to have a lot of college kids uh, reach out. There's some Cincinnati kids that are driving down um, uh, down from Cincinnati during the summer to intern down there. Wow, so it's, that's it's really great. cool. Yeah, it's a really cool atmosphere. We, we do a really good job of like not only like leading the kids in the direction they need to go, but like teaching them why they need to hit these uh, particular spots and everything. It's just something I'm passionate about, and it's something that I can see myself doing post uh baseball it's just like giving back to the kids that i the kids that want to be in the position that i am like i will provide a way all right hope you enjoy the best of the newcomers more to come on down the road here on the gym day podcast we would love for you to spread the word and rate and review this podcast that will help out in the future and i invite you to follow along on social media at Jim Day TV on Twitter and Instagram, and certainly follow along with the Reds on all the social media platforms. They do such a good job. I mean, they are first class. I mean, you can talk about a lot of things, but Red social media got it going on. Proud to be associated with them. So until next time, everyone, stay healthy out there. Keep your chin up. Keep on trudging on. And we'll talk to you next time. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.